welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. The Sports Car Nobody, and this is episode 29 of the Sports Car Nobody podcast. What a very, very fun show I have got for you tonight. I have an incredibly special guest coming on for an interview, my very good, very close friend, Randy French. Now, a quick caveat. A few weeks ago, I had my friend Paolo Grassini on, and we talked about collecting but Paolo was not a sports car collector. No, he was a vinyl film score collector. And this episode, this interview is actually going to be very similar in the fact that Randy does not collect sports cards, but he is a die-hard collector of hot toys, action figures, or dolls. Depends who you're talking to. Um, but listen, if you are a collector, if you're in this hobby, if you do this thing that I do, if you are just a fanatic about acquiring things, you are going to appreciate this conversation. Randy and I go back and forth about the, the similarities, the differences between collecting action figures, collecting sports cards, what that market is like, what those people are like, just what it is to do that. And he really does a good job breaking down the sentimentality of it all, the expression of yourself, why collecting means so much to him. And I appreciate that so much. You know, if you listen to this show, how much I romanticize collecting. I romanticize what I do. That's an expression of myself and all of these different reasons. Randy hits those notes just absolutely perfectly in this interview. I am so excited for that. And I think you're going to love it, even though it is not sports card centric. But listen, before we get to that, I have to start off as I always do with my top five athletes to ever wear the number 29 in honor of this episode 29 of the Sports Card Nobody podcast. That's right. Every single week I kick off the show. I do this countdown of the players that I believe are the best to have ever worn the number of the show that I am doing. And like I said, today is episode 29. So we are doing jersey number 29. Let's stop delaying. Let's just get right to it. Number five, Ken Dryden, goalie for the Montreal Canadiens who played just eight seasons, but absolutely annihilated his time in the league. Listen, this guy won six Stanley Cups. He was an all-star six times. As a rookie in 1971, he won the Conn Smythe Trophy and finished his career with an absurd 921 save percentage, which is good for third of all time. And no shocker, in 1983, he found himself in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Ken Dryden, number five. And that brings us to number four, John Smoltz. John Smoltz is such a fun enigma in the fact that he was an elite starting pitcher and then an elite closer for the Atlanta Braves, a key component to that great dynasty in which they won, I think, 14 straight division titles. He helped them win the 1995 World Series. He won the Cy Young in 1996. He was an eight-time All-Star. He finished his career with over 3,000 strikeouts, 200-plus wins, and 150-plus saves. And yes, he ends up in the Hall of Fame in 2015. And that brings us to number three, Rod Carew, a 1991 Hall of Famer who, in his career went to 18 All-Star games. He won seven batting titles. He won the Rookie of the Year in 1967, the MVP in 1977, and finished 
with an absurd 328 career batting average. And that average helped him amass over 3,000 career hits. Rod Carew is number three. And that brings us to number two, legendary running back Eric Dickerson, six-time Pro Bowler, Rookie of the Year in 1983. Still to this day holds the record for the most rushing yards in a season at 2,105. 2,105. The only person to even really threaten that was Adrian Peterson a couple years back, but he fell short. With the with the season now being uh, 17 games long, we'll see if this record continues to hold, but that is an absurd record to hold. And uh, Eric Dickerson found himself in the Hall of Fame in 1999. But that brings us to the number one athlete to ever wear the number 29. And that is none other than the insanely iconic and legendary Satchel Page. Listen, I often rattle off a ton of stats when I'm doing this rundown, right? It's important. Statistics help differentiate the good from the great, the greats from the legends, and the legends from the goats. But those stats and numbers don't even come close to doing enough justice or beginning to tell the story of who Satchel Page was. And to be honest, in the time that I have to kind of do this podcast and do this segment, I can barely scratch the surface, but I'm going to do the best I can in a short amount of time. Page started his baseball professional career at the age of 20 in 1927. He then pitched for about 20 seasons where he was one of, if not the greatest Negro League pitcher of all time. Now, of course, he pitched in the Negro Leagues because of the racism and the segregation that pervaded Major League Baseball at the time. And it wasn't until 1947 that somebody was going to try to break this trend and help a Negro League player break in as the first black player in Major League Baseball, and that was Branch Rickey. But by the time Branch Rickey was going to do this, take this massive step towards correcting an insane wrong within not only the country, but this game, Satchel was already in his 40s. This advanced age really made it hard to look towards Satchel as someone that could carry this unbelievable burden to be the first black person to ever step foot onto a Major League Baseball field. And so the burden fell to Jackie Robinson, who without question handled that burden as well as anybody could just be imagined to have done it. And he became an icon that he deserves to be. But many people really thought it was going to be Satchel Page. Satchel's legend had already invaded everywhere within the country. Anybody who cared about baseball at all knew who Satchel Page was, even though he had not hit that quote unquote level, of, you know, the highest level of competition. But he finally did break through in 1948, and he did so at the age of 42 years old, which is still a record for the oldest person to ever debut in a major league game. And he played his final game at the age of 58. Again, another record. But as I've already talked about a few times, people knew who Satchel was. People wanted to see Page pitch. His legend had permeated throughout all of the country. And when he finally stepped on to this stage, people showed up and they showed up in droves. 
one quick insane number is 78,000. On August 20th of 1948, 78,000 fans came out to see Satchel pitch. And 74 years later, that number is still a record for the largest crowd to have ever attended a night game. Now, with the majority of Page's prime being spent in the Negro Leagues, he didn't have his best when he came to the Major Leagues. He was still an All-Star twice. Uh, And he did become the first black person to ever pitch in a World Series game. Uh, But it took a lot of time for him to make the Hall of Fame. And in fact, he became the first person ever inducted by the Negro League Committee. So listen, I am barely scratching the surface here about who Satchel Paige was and why he is the far and away runaway winner of this sports card nobody award of being the greatest player ever to wear the number 29 now as i always say when i end this uh countdown of mine this is a sports card podcast i talk about sports cards so let's do that if you are interested in getting your hands on a card representing one of the most legendary baseball players, or people to have ever lived, you are likely going to want to get your hands on the 1953 Tops. This is such an iconic, gorgeous card and is arguably the most sought-after Satchel Page card. It has such a striking, beautiful portrait of Page, right? Just smack dab and huge on that card. A um, little side note, though, his his name at the bottom is actually spelled wrong. It's spelled S-A-T-C-H-E-L-L. There is only one L in Satchel. There were a few cards of his that were that had his name misspelled, which is a bummer. But nonetheless, this card really is a phenomenal, phenomenal looking piece of history, really. Uh, but it's, it's an expensive card to get. If you are interested in getting your hands on this, if you want it in a high grade, a PSA 9 with a pop of 8 is around $70,000. Likely out of most of the nobody budgets that listen to me. Uh, but if you're looking for something that is a little more attainable, you can get a PSA 5, which has a pop of about 580 for around $2,000. I mean, I think my trout cards have sold for well over 3000 in higher grades, of course, but... Uh, there's the age-old debate about, you know, do you go after someone who's without a doubt an icon? Um, you know, I guess Mike Trout probably is too. But uh, you can still even get a little bit lower, though. If you want to go a little bit lower of a grade, a PSA 3 is around 850 uh, and that's a pop of 563 so you should be able to find them. So this gorgeous, iconic card, this piece of baseball in American history, it, You can go out and get this card. You will have to stretch the bank a little bit. But listen, listen, it's Satchel Page, so no shock there. But there it is. There's the kickoff. There's the countdown. This one went a little bit longer than usual because I really wanted to try to do a little more justice to the man that was Satchel Page. I know I didn't come close. You should really go pick up a few books. Go check out some more in-depth um, websites or documentaries about him because there is a lot to learn about the man that was Satchel Page. But 
Let's recap one more time the sports card nobody countdown of the best athletes to ever wear the number 29, number five, Ken Dryden, NHL goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, number four, John Smoltz, number three, Rod Carew, number two, Eric Dickerson, and number one, Satchel freaking Page. All right, listen, I would love to know what you think about that list. This is something that I'm getting a lot of feedback on every week, and I love it. I love it so much. So if you would like to give me your opinion, if I screwed it up, if I got it right, who was too high, who was too low, and if you think Central Page isn't where he belongs, we'll have a lot to argue about. But nonetheless, if you want to argue with me, you can find me at Sports Card Nobody on Instagram. I'm at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook as well. And as always, if you're enjoying anything here, please subscribe to the show. Leave me a review at your podcast hub of choice. But you know the drill. More than anything, if you want to help the show grow, share this. Share this with friends. Share this with family. Share this with anybody who wants to argue with me about my top five or anybody who cares about anything I might be talking about. Sharing this really goes a long way. It helps things grow and I've been seeing growth and I love that so much. So thank you for all of that. But enough dilly dallying. Like I said, I have an interview coming up on the other side with my dear friend, Randy French, who does not collect sports cards, but he's a collector of other things. And it's a great conversation. I hope you stick around and I hope you enjoy it. And I'd love to hear what you think about my buddy, Randy French. All right, welcome back to the show. Like I said earlier, I have a very, very special guest on today. One of my closest friends in the world, Randy French, who is not, as I said earlier, he is not a sports card collector, but he is a collector. He's a collector of hot toys, high-end action figures, which is something I may have spent a little bit of money on myself in the past. But listen, I'll shut up now. Randy, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so pumped to talk to you. Yeah, man. I don't think you've ever referred to me as one of your closest friends. What? So dude, you were is... in my wedding. That's <laughs> uh, true. But uh, I, I've never heard the words. So this is a very special moment for me. Did your heart so just like... <laughs> grow three extra sizes like the my, Grinch? Yeah, my smile in particular, was much larger than it typically is. <laughs> well, listen, I don't, this is just a podcast. I don't do any YouTube, but maybe I'll have to do that just to see your heart grow and the smile <laughs> extend off your face. <laughs> yep. All right. But no, sincerely, man, you are one of my closest friends. Don't ever forget that. But um, I, I'm really pumped to have you on. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had my friend Paolo Grissini on. He was incredible. Uh, another individual who's not a sports card collector, but a collector nonetheless. He collects vinyl film scores and we had a great conversation we really got a lot of good feedback from that and i thought why not have another just collector on and so for the people out there who don't know although if they listen to the show they hear me talk about them all the time you collect hot toys what the hell are hot toys oh i was gonna ask like i've heard you reference it i don't know if you've ever talked about what hot toys are but they're basically uh 12 inch or one six scale if you're in the community um action figures who may also be referred to as dolls because of the way that they're made <laughs> and they are a company out of hong kong made up of legit 
fantastic, amazing artists who sculpt lifelike looking faces onto dolls. Usually, I mean, nowadays it's all pop culture toys. So it's a lot of Star Wars, a lot of Marvel, not so much DC. They don't get a lot of love from Hot Toys. But uh, if you Google Hot Toys, you probably will see pictures that you think are real and they're actually just toys. Um, So that's basically what it is. It's uh, just really amazing, lifelike looking action figures. Yeah. And Uh, really expensive. On top of just the Googling and falling for it being real, it's wild how often you'll be looking up whatever pop culture news. And I've seen this on IGN quite about quite a bit where they're talking about the new Endgame movie coming out and they're sharing a picture. And it's a it's a, a sideshow hot toys released photo, not even yeah. from the movie, but it's an action figure that they're using somehow. They just snatch that photo and they're using it on their on their website. It's funny because that is hilarious because I don't see it on IGN. I'm not there very often anymore, but coming soon.net. Yeah. Same deal. Like if something's coming out and it's hot toys photos and I bet most people don't know that it's not an actual photo from the show or movie, but I guess it's the only thing that's out that they can steal off the internet for now to use. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's why you bring that up. And and I did just say the, uh, the word sideshow out there for the people that don't know sideshow is, is the, um, I think the exclusive, official distributor of hot toys figures sideshow is that you can go to sideshow.com and they sell other uh, memorabilia collectibles of pop culture things such as like art prints and and their own figures that they make but they're the exclusive um i guess like national distributor is that correct correct uh although you can get it from different get hot toys from different distributors but they are the exclusive one so if hot toys comes out with some special limited edition exclusive figure sideshow will be the only people in the united mm-hmm. states that sell them which is another good point because the company is out of hong kong that means the united states do not get the figures for months after they come out so yep, yep. they come out you know three months later in the united states after china has had them and some other countries so it's actually kind of issues that you and paulo talked about you know in terms of potential scalpers People who are in Hong Kong can get these figures and sell them for much higher prices than Sideshow or other U.S. distributors will sell them at. So then it's just a matter of patience. Are you patient enough to wait till you get it at the actual retail price or you can get it three months early for maybe double the price? But then as collectors, we are sometimes not a patient bunch (laughs) and we have to have it right now for some particular reason. I, it's so hard to like put your thumb on exactly like where that impatience comes from, but it is like that sort of impulse takes over and you just can't control yourself. But I guess, I mean, collecting as a whole, it's such a, uh, I don't know, an illogical thing that we do. We just gather these items in my case, cardboard cards with pictures of people on them, sometimes cartoon figures on them. And then, yeah, I've done the hot toys thing and, and comic books as well. It's, it's a weird thing that we do, but, uh, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about the collecting aspect. Why do you collect hot toys? How did that start for you? You know, I was going into this podcast. I was trying to remember the answer to that question. I remember where hot toys hot toys started, but uh, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how I became a toy collector. I kind of do. That's a lie. I sort of remember. My brother bought me a really cool Master Chief from Halo action figure which is a funny choice because I never played Halo. I don't even really like Halo that much. But he got me this figure. I, thought I actually paid attention to it, and it looked more detailed and more well-made than typical toys I was used to as a kid. 
because I didn't collect toys between basically I don't know, the ages of 12 to how old was I? 26, 25? No, 24. I don't know. Age is a whole different thing. But anyway. <laughs> Usually around the time we realize that there's other things in life besides toys and baseball cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, so uh, this is really cool. And I looked into this company. It was a company that's called Play Arts Kai. And they also make 12-inch figures that are really, really well made. Not Hot Toys level, but they're just really cool. So I was already a Marvel fan and just Star Wars fan and all that pop culture comic type stuff fan. And I started looking at the Iron Man, the Spider-Man, the various figures or uh, heroes that these guys made. And they were all so cool. So I just started buying these figures and then out of nowhere it became an addiction. So I just started <laughs> buying action figures like left and right, duplicates of some of them. And that's, yeah, I don't, that was just... I can only say it was an addiction. I don't. I can't explain why. I just had to have more. And again, it was like a fix. When I got one and I, I, I had it in my hands, I was ready to get the next one. And so um, that kept going until a friend of mine asked me if I'd ever heard of Hot Toys, which I hadn't. And so he showed me. And again, to my point earlier, I didn't believe it was actually an action figure. It, looked, it, was, a, mm-hmm. it was a Black Widow from, I think, one of the Captain America movies, and I thought it was Scarlett Johansson. It looked just like her. And so I was amazed by this thing. But then I looked at the price, and it was $220 for one of them. And at the time, the most expensive action figures I bought were just over $100. Most of them were like $30 to $50. Sure. So $220 on one figure, I couldn't do it. But then I cannot get company hot toys out of my head like i just i kept looking at them and i just i all of a sudden got to the point where all the other figures i had just were inferior they just looked like (laughs) they were toys compared to this piece of art so i decided uh that if they ever make a deadpool figure um hot toys from the first movie i would buy that'd be my first one and they did like probably within a month of me thinking that and i purchased it and i got it and it was amazing. And then the same thing happened. I just bought one after another after another. And it became a, a game of hunting down figures. Yeah. Like you talked about vinyls and trying to get recoup figures that were long gone. Because that's the other big thing with Hot Toys is that they only have so many. So once they sell out, you have to go to, the, to eBay and other markets to try and get them. And they're much more expensive. So I was doing that, trying to find these rare figures that have been gone for years and essentially make up for this lack of time I've spent on this collection. So that's a bit in kind of a long-winded explanation. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, the reason I I wanted to have Paolo on when I didn't have you on now is because how many of like the things that you're saying parallel so perfectly with the sports card collecting world? And like what you were saying is like you can't you you couldn't get the hot toys company out of your head. You just kept thinking about it. It's the same thing when like folks like me come across a card that we really want. You know, for me lately it's been wrestling cards have been so heavy into that. And I'll come across a a Bret Hart card. And I, I told this story fairly recently where there's a, a super rare Bret Hart card. They only made five of them. It's the red parallel whatever. Everybody's heard me talk about it in the podcast already. But uh, when that came across, it was actually a stranger on Instagram reached out to me because he had pulled it and he was like, asked me about it. And I, and I just, that card was on my mind for, I think a couple months before I could finally 
where it all came together and I was able to buy it from that person. It's just wild how these things can just like crawl into your brain, like almost like a, like a, a catchy song that you can't stop, you know, playing over in your head. It's the same thing when we find something that we really like or that we fall in love with, even though we haven't had it yet when we're collectors. But, um, so let's talk more about like some of the similarities and differences between hot toys and cards, because you just touched on it a little bit and, and I'm familiar cause I was in, in the hot toys. I've been trying to retire from hot toys for, I don't know how long now. I don't know how many times <laughs> I've sent you a, I'm retired. I'm not buying it. And then they just yeah. released the Thor photographs from the new movie. And I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm not retired yet, but let's talk about some more of the, like the differences and the similarities because, um, like talk a little bit about what the release schedule of a figure is like. Uh, so that's kind of hit or miss with hot toys. They, mm -hmm. I'd say typically two years from when you see it coming out, um, and you can put in your pre-orders for it, you won't see that figure for two years. There's actually been a couple of figures that have been teased and shown and then, uh, never actually got released, but everyone knows it exists. Um, so, but then they, every once in a while they do release a surprise figure that will come out within months, mm -hmm. but usually yeah, close to about two years before you're going to see that thing materialize yeah I, I remember when so um i don't know if i've actually talked about this on the pod before but the reason i got into hot toys is because of you you came out to california and i was still living out in los angeles and uh, at the time i i think i was like really interested in trying to find some figures to photograph because you know i'm into photography and that was you know trying to find cool figures of like superman or whatever to try to try to take some cool photos of and then you started to introduce me to hot toys and then it became this whole thing but i remember when i first started to really dive into it and i was trying to figure that out in my head it, it seemed like a movie would get announced and at that time i think we'll just go with like thor ragnarok right i think that was what came out roughly similar when i first started getting back getting into the that part that hobby um you would the movie would get announced. They'd they'd start to tease the figures, and then the movie would get released. It would still be like a year later or whatever before you could finally get your hands. And the movie's already been out and like on Blu-ray or whatever. After all that time that's passed, it's such a weird release schedule. It's true, and uh, and that's actually kind of detrimental because I I mean I don't know if people are serious, but you see on Instagram or whenever people are making comments that that length of time. They had, they were excited for the figure when it was announced, they pre-ordered it. And then after a year and a half of waiting, they kind of, the excitement died. So it's almost like the need to get that fix was gone and they would yeah. cancel their pre-order or, um, yeah, like the, the next movie would be announced before yeah. a toy from the original movie comes out. So all of a sudden they bump into each other and, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it is, a, it is very weird, but you know, I guess it works for them. I mean, I guess so as well, because it, it's such a good point how like they do kind of miss out on that sort of like just total hype machine. You know, the movie's out. Everybody can't. Everybody's going buying the, the cheaper toys for their kids or whatever and buying whatever, um, you know, memorabilia or whatever they can. But the, these figures are still sitting on pre-order for so long, whereas in like the card world. I mean, the boxes get released and everybody starts eating them up and that hype train, hype train just rolls, you know, especially when it comes to uh, like prospecting and baseball where there's some hot young shot stud, you know, can't miss. Everybody has to get his first card. And when that product releases, it is just the wolves at the gate just fiending to get it. Um, but with the, with the hot toys world, it is so weird how it can take so long and you sit there staring at the pre-order or, you know, they also, you can do the, um, the payment plan. So you'll make whatever 
They'll start charging you six months out from when it comes out, but that might even be a year after you pre-order. And then you'll make five of the payments and that six payment keeps getting delayed every month until it finally, you know, it finally releases. It's, it, it's, it, it is weird how they do it that way and get away with it, I guess. But like you said, it works for them. So it is what yeah. it is. I mean, I guess, you know, if we're being honest, like at least they can print cards very quickly sure. versus hot toys. They, the tailor clothing made out of cloth and then yeah. scalp and then re-scalp and scalp sorry scalp sculpt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that didn't sound right sculpt <laughs> sculpt and then re-sculpt and then so I get why it takes so long but yeah they they obviously aren't very concerned about lining up the movies or the product with the actual source material sure all right so to, to stick to more of the parallels between the two different hobbies what's it like on the um and the marketplace, like in the secondhand market, you know, for hot toys figures. So, you know, you talked about a piece sells out and scalping and, and things of that nature. How does it typically work when you want to buy a figure that's either sold out or um, you want to sell a figure, you know, how, and how do the values typically go up and down? Do they, is there like a, a healthy marketplace? Uh, well, actually you taught me a little bit about that because I never used Facebook marketplace, but I think that's hit or miss because you lived in Los Angeles where there are a lot of nerds and then a lot of people who are in the movie business. So hot toys is kind of intertwined in that world. Mm -hmm. And you could put it on marketplace in Los Angeles and have people hitting you up constantly. So that was awesome for you. And again, you probably know more than I do about the whole cost, but it sounded like because it was a local situation, people didn't up their price to the level that eBay does. Um, but I know some of, again, that kind of depends on the figure. So I can speak for eBay because I, I've purchased and sold on eBay a lot. And it's, I feel like there, there are seasons and I don't always know exactly what these the seasons are because I can get a figure that will be twice the amount or I'll, I'll find the figure I want to buy and it's twice the amount than what it originally costs. So it costs 220 originally and now it's at about you know, 400, 440. And I don't buy it. And then three months later, I return and that figure is no longer at, at mm -hmm. over $400 price. So I think it depends on how quickly a figure sells out. So figures sell out very quickly and people are still looking for it. You throw it on eBay if that's your deal. It's probably going to be worth a lot, especially if the movie is still hot. Sure. Um, and then in between that moment for a while, I think that depending on what the figure is, it doesn't really go up too high, but then the weird part I don't know about, it's almost like there's a, a point where the figure has been out of, um, out of the market for so long or sold out that it becomes popular again. Mm, sure. And I don't know what that is, but that happened to my, I had Jyn Erso, main character from Rogue One, and she was real, relatively cheap when I got a retail. And all of a sudden, I try. I decided to sell her like two years after the movie came out, and she was kind of expensive at one point. But she was one of my most bid on figures when I of the figures I've sold. I think I had probably up to fifty bids on her, and wow. she went to almost triple what the, wow. the original price was. I don't know. Like there was no real relation to Jenner. So other than what all I can think about is that she had been sold out and. Um, people eventually couldn't find her anywhere right sold out even on ebay so then my figure popped up it's the one you know rare moment that they can bid on something and it just 
attracts a lot of people. So that's been my experience. It's it's kind of like the release dates. It's kind of weird and irrational because I don't know, like cards, I've listened to you know what you've said. Some cards are so rare. There's only like a real finite amount that are For printed, sure. right? Yep. Like, but, I mean, I just talked about the Bret Hart card. There's only five of that particular parallel. Yep. Yeah. So um, I feel like that's easier to predict because you know how rare that card is, is if there's only five. Hot toys, they, they kind of just float around still. Like, you know, there's not five. There's still thousands that could potentially be sold. And they just right. keep popping up here and there, here and yeah, there. Yeah, there's no, like, print run that you're aware of. Right. That we, right. You know, you don't know how many of the figures they actually made. You know, how saturated is the market? Is this a rare figure? Is it, you know, it's just a, a figure that comes out and it just sells out when it sells out. Yeah. And then, uh, and then yeah, you just try your luck. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know one of the one of the interesting things about Hot Toys and it, it, as well versus like the card world and even like comic books and, and a lot of collectibles. So like, you know, if somebody's rookie card comes out and it's a, you know, we'll talk about a 2011 Mike Trout. You know, it's a very it's a very popular rookie card. A lot of people want one of the best baseball players ever. People will say whatever. So it's an expensive card to get, but in the card world, and again, in comic books as well, they'll reprint it, right? So there's reprint versions of, you know, Mike Trout's rookie card or Michael Jordan's rookie card has been reprinted. So there's a reprinted version of it, like a legit reprinted one made by Topps or Fleer or whatever company makes them. Mm. Um, and same thing, Marvel has, you know, reprinted versions of, you know, Hulk 181, the first appearance of Wolverine. Now, those reprints are basically worth you know, maybe not even the paper that they're printed on, right? People aren't fiending for that. People want the originals. But in the Hot Toys world, that's not exactly true. When they do a reissue, it hurts the market of that first figure that that came out, which is which is so weird how like the collectors in that hobby don't care about it being a first release, right? They just care about that it's the figure because that was true with um, like the Thor from um, Infinity War. You know, that version of the figure was so popular and then it sold out and that was selling like hotcakes on the secondary market on eBay or whatever it was. And then it was so popular. Hot Toys said, well, we're just going to make another one. Same exact yeah. figure. Here you go. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I have a, a, a love hate relationship with that aspect of it because if I miss out on the figure, I hope that there's going to be a rerun and every once in a while there has been very, very rarely still though. They don't do a lot of them, but I, as a guy who missed out, I get very excited. So I can empathize with people who are constantly in that situation when they don't pre-order something and then it sells out. But then as a guy who sometimes sells on eBay, if I like I have a war machine uh, figure that it's a second their second edition came out and I got that one and it is the, the best version of it and it sold out right away and it's been worth I think $900 consistently when it pops up on eBay. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also love that figure. So I've been sitting on whether I sell it or not. And I, I was kind of leaning towards maybe selling them. And then all of a sudden, boom, like Hot Toys decided to do a, a rerun or a second run of that exact figure. So now my, my uh, figure is not going to do anything on <laughs> yeah, eBay. It's not going to fetch so, quite $900 anymore. <laughs> right. So I think for me, I'm like, all right, well, at least I was kind of thinking about keeping it. So I'm not that hurt. If it was a figure I was going to sell, I was just kind of lazy about it. And then that happened. I, I could see myself being angry. So 
that's when I understand why collectors get annoyed is because it's, yeah, it's not about having the first run, but it's about having one that's sold out. Sure. And that's all that matters. Like one, mm-hmm. just in case they need to, you know, fun a disney trip they can sell a figure <laughs> yeah and it's it's like in the card world you really have to contend with different you know things in the marketplace if you do want to resell and again i'm mostly a collector i don't sell a ton of my stuff but um but there's some predictable waves that come right you talked about earlier in the hot toys world where there seems like there's seasons although you can't really put your thumb on it in the card world there's such predictable seasons and you know what i'm talking about i mean you work in the sports world, you know how the seasons run. You know, you, the finals just ended. You actually just worked on the finals, and that just ended. Um, yeah. So now basketball starts to get out of people's minds, so those card prices are going down. You don't want uh, to be yeah, selling NBA sense. cards right now because now people are thinking about, um, you know, possibly baseball since that's still in season or starting to gear up for football because mm-hmm. that's starting to come around. You know, those waves are, are semi-predictable. You can never predict everything perfectly, but you kind of get a sense. But, yeah, in the Hot sense. Toys world, you have to kind of contend with guessing a lot if you're trying to do it that way. And especially with the reissues, do I sell now when it's hot and the, you know, you know, it's a popular piece. Are they going to reissue it? Uh, yeah. But it is super rare. Like you said, I can only think of maybe three or four times that they've done it since I had gotten in, into that hobby. You know, it was the right. Thor. Um, they did the homecoming Iron Man, I believe was reissued. They did war machine, um, war machine. I guess it's not, exactly a reissue but the um the hulk buster they made a semi-different version that had the uh the extra arm i guess you know um so it's only happened like maybe a handful of times from the time that i had gotten into that hobby um and trying to contend with that though is is weird (laughs) you know that you're trying to figure that out is good luck i mean you kind of touched on a point too that was very uh important in my collecting mentality and that was I did start to collect a lot of them because I realized that they were rare and I could get them at a good price and I'll start selling them. And I'll, I started thinking about it as a, like an investment, mm-hmm. which I am like that. And then that's when I, when I started really spending money on these figures and having, uh, do you, can I curse on this? Do you bleep? What's your <laughs> do, demographic? Do, do your thing. I'll, I'll make sure it's family friendly. <laughs> I'm definitely not yeah. editing that out. That's going to be okay. good stuff right there. Uh, now I lost my train of thought. Right. Yeah. When I started collecting that way, uh, I didn't feel like I was a collector. Or I mean, I don't, that's, I don't really care what my title is, but I didn't, it didn't feel right. So I did start to eliminate figures that I didn't actually necessarily love or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say connect to loosely but basically like you know i had figures that were not my a movie that i really loved or uh, a character i really kind of that resonates with me so i had all these figures that meant really nothing to me and i i started selling those and i kept the ones that kind of resonated with me or that mm. i felt a little bit more sentimental towards for sure. some reason or another but i loved the movie or loved that version of the character or that sort of thing and and that ultimately helped me save money and also meant that um my collection was a little bit more genuine and uh yeah it made it a little bit more special i guess yeah so um i i've talked about like in the past you know how i collected these things and some of the reasons i kind of got away from it and one of the big reasons honestly that i got away from it is um is the space the space that it takes up right i i look to my right here i've got a a little shelving unit and I have six hot toys figures on it. And that shelf is pretty, 
pretty filled up with those figures, you know, trying to fit yeah. a ton more. Uh, versus, you know, I can have hundreds of baseball cards in a drawer next to me or, you know, whatever sport it might be. So how do you contend with that? How do you contend with the size of your collection and moving? Like, that's a big thing. I mean, you moved from Connecticut to Vermont, you know, how do you, how do you manage that with your collection? You know, that's another, uh, aspect of this whole thing that can make collectors weird because you choose how to display hot toys figures. Um, I know you choose how to display cards as well, but it's, basically it's different put, though okay yeah, yeah you, it's you, definitely you different too <laughs> um but when you collect action figures you can put them behind glass which means you buy glass cabinets or you buy some form of cabinet and then how you know aesthetically speaking in terms of where you live do those cabinets just look like like ones you bought at the uh, local garage sale or do you make nice cabinets and then you make it look aesthetically pleasing and that also adds lighting people light Mm -hmm. so you can actually see the figure but all of a sudden you're into actually like redecorating people have i've seen built like their whole room with this collecting mentality so everything is kind of in the walls anyway i digress because then there's other uh collectors like you you keep your figures on a shelf Mm -hmm. which is very helpful because it means you potentially have much more space or opportunities versus having to buy glass cabinets and put them somewhere um but then uh what we start thinking about is oh well dust you know we'll be able to figure it dusting it it will so i gotta take care of it because the material some of the the uh these figures i mean they have silicone on them and again cloth material that can and fake leather that can kind of break and Mm -hmm. become brittle so you think about the elements and will you take care of it? And, and it's, it's a very actually strangely stressful process. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So in terms of space itself, yeah, I lived in Connecticut where I owned a house. That was cool. I had some space and then I moved to Vermont and now I'm in an apartment and I actually sold all my glass cabinets because I didn't, didn't think I was going to have any space. I kept one got here. I figured out a way after being here for a year and a half, finally, where I could actually put cabinets in. So I bought yeah. more cabinets. I spent like <laughs> a grand on cabinets. Uh, and now I had to install those. And now I'm now they're in the room, but I still haven't figured out how I actually want to set them up. It's a very sure. silly process, but yeah. uh, it's part of it. It's yeah. 100% part of it. It's yeah, big it takes time to cross space. And I, I mentioned earlier, you know, quickly how like it's different. One of the biggest ways that it's different is because, I mean, the cards are the cards, right? You're going to, whether they're in a slab or whatever, you're going to set them up and they're there. But with the, with the hot toys figures, I mean, these things have 32 articulating joints and ex- yeah. you, know, you could take their hands and off and change the head. Yeah. And different accessories. Swords. I mean, yeah. yeah, accessories, <laughs> right. Yeah, the yeah. toys and their toys. Some of the <laughs> Deadpool has a unicorn toy with his Deadpool this 2 figure, true. right? Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so trying to figure out how you want to display them becomes this whole thought process. You know, do I want them in an action pose? Do I want it in what's right. called a museum pose? Do I want to, you know, do something that it looks really good, but it might be endangering that pleather suit, you know, because now it's shaping weird. You know, there's so many things you have to think about. <laughs> when you're displaying hot toys figures. And now I typically with mine, they're all usually museum poses and very simple. And cause I, you know, I, I don't put the same time I used to put into them when I, you know, when I was really deep into that part or into that hobby. So it, it's definitely a different mentality and the space alone. I mean, you need to come up with like 
a good amount of space. Like I said, for six figures to my right versus I have seven, 10 cards all over my desk here that all look great and you can see them easily, you know, and it's, it's wonderful. Um, so it, it, it is, it's a whole different thing, but, and not only that, but some of them have, um, rooted hair, right? A lot of the figures have hair that you can, you can brush and haven't you done that once or twice? Can can I tell you, can I tell you a story? Please. Uh, yeah. Rooted hair for anyone who doesn't know what that means is fake, like synthetic hair, basically doll hair. I think we all know what doll hairs are, but when, when, uh, when they get shipped, usually those figures that have rooted hair, oftentimes girl figures. So your black widows and, uh, wonder, wonder Woman's, Yeah. Yeah. They have this piece of plastic wrapped around the head and the hair to keep the hair contained. So when you take it off, it has that indent, you know, like their hair is flat. So you gotta, you gotta, I, I am, you don't, br- I don't brush, but you gotta <laughs> play with it and get some pomade and get it and work. With it. So I, that's just part of it. And there was one time I, I'm in my office, my private space, and I had just gotten a figure. I think it was a Scarlett Johansson Black Widow. <laughs> and uh, I have her, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, play with the rooted hair. I have some pomade. <laughs> I'm putting it in. And uh, I turn around, and my wife is right at the doorway watching me <laughs> as I turn to face her as I'm playing with uh, this this action figure who she lovingly referred to as dolls. And I'm always trying to convince her that they're action figures until that moment. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right. I think you have a fair point. The fact that I can do that, <laughs> it kind of makes it a doll. So that's the one time I've been in that. I'm, be honest, I'm picturing that with like, no light. There's just one light above your yeah. head shining straight down as you're sort of, sort of moaning as you're moving the hair. You turn around, it's just a silhouette of your wife. Ah! And you run up and slam probably, the door shut. It was probably close. You know, it's funny. Like my wife, uh, when we started dating, uh, we're actually separated. That's a whole different story, but we're great. We're, we're best friends. Has nothing to do with this collection situation, you know, <laughs> easily could have for uh, other uh, collectors. And that's another whole different point, you know, having an understanding wife. Like Stacy, um, but my she she always thought I was a mysterious person when we were when we were dating, and so she had all these ideas of what I was doing because I, I guess I never told her. Like when I went home from work, I didn't tell her what I was doing. I would just leave it vague, and so she imagined that I'd be doing creepy things, like not <laughs> anything cool, but like she said, building toys. Actually, she imagined I was sewing in a basement with toys, making them by hand, and so. I don't think that's exactly how I looked, but it probably isn't far off. You know, I, I, I open these figures at nighttime, so it's probably just my computer light, you know, <laughs> right, lighting right. it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, collecting the hot toys is kind of, can be deemed as kind of creepy and weird. Yeah, you know uh, what? Again, I collect pieces of cardboard now. I get it. And I, I collected lots of hot toys for a while there, too. I feel but like man, uh, cards are more understandable to collect. Am I wrong? Well, you know what I will say is cards are a little more mainstream, right? Yeah, you know, I mean. cards. I mean, ESPN just had an article. It was like one of the top headlines about a, a LeBron James triple logo, man, that sold for $2.4 million, right? So it's oh that's front page of ESPN.com. You know, so it's mainstream. Yeah. People know about it. So some of that stigma isn't quite there versus right. I mean, I don't know how many times I had the same conversation too. It's not a doll. It's an action figure. It's a high end action figure. 
You don't yeah, know what you're and, talking about. <laughs> right. And mainstream, like it, once you do get into the, into the uh, community, you realize that, oh yeah, no, collecting toys is, is a big thing. They're yeah, not, again, not just hot toys, but just toy collecting. It's yeah, it's massive. massive. I mean, there's, um, there's so many, like, you know, I'm really big into wrestling. There's so many wrestlers who, who like, go out on action figure hunts, right? They're out there like Ethan page is a big one. He's out there constantly blogging about his, whatever figure he's looking for. And I was pretty jealous cause uh, you know, living out in, in LA for almost 10 years, there's a, there's a, a convention that happens twice a week, every week called Frankensons. And that's where I used to buy a lot of my hot toys from. Actually, I would Ooh. go out there and, and at least shop or look there. Um, but uh, when that wrestling show was out there, Ethan Page was apparently going to Frank and Sons to go on an action figure hunt. So yes, it's a it's a big <laughs> business. Toys, action figures, yeah. dolls, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's it's there's a lot of money in it. Yeah, it's just it's just not as you know it's not as cool. I feel like card collecting is more cool. You know what though? I will say this. You mentioned Stacy, who's my wife. Um, she still to this day wishes I still collected hot toys instead of instead oh. of cards she's like man I, I like them. she just likes them more she she oh. started to learn she like begin began to appreciate them as i would collect them you know the detail that you talked about mm. i mean the, the sculpts on these things the scalps as you called it earlier the scalps the sculpts on these things are <laughs> sometimes yeah are sometimes out of the out, like just so crazy good and like picturing yeah. that somebody had to do that by hand for the original piece and then, yeah, the, the tailoring of the clothes and all the accessories, I mean, and they make such a big statement, you know, that's, you know, when people come into my, my office area, I am sure the first thing they see are the hot toys that are up versus the cards that are up, right? They make this bold, loud statement. And for me, True. I say this a lot, you know, my collecting of anything is an expression of myself in some form or fashion, something that I love, something that I think speaks, you know, some small part, something about myself, right? And so when people come in, they definitely see these hot toys figures that I've got up. And I think I have eight display total, six over to my right. And then I've got two on a shelf above me um, next to Miami, actually. So when people come <laughs> in, they definitely see those. Right. And they, that's that's what stands out more than the, the cards for sure. Um, so Stacy still, um, I, like I said, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm always talking about how I'm retired from hot toys. I'm retired from hot toys. And I just sent you the newest releases from the new Thor Love and Thunder. That Thor deluxe figure is phenomenal i showed it to stacy she was like buy it definitely buy that instead of oh, instead wow. of sports cards nice so, so she definitely I, became more accepting of of that because when you first introduced it to me she was like no absolutely not <laughs> yeah yeah i i think she wasn't too happy about me pushing it on you initially uh but that's good to hear i'm glad she's you know i mean stacy's amazing so that's the other thing too is you got to have, for those of you who are in relationships, uh, you have to have a partner that is, is, is cool with this type of thing or, or yeah. Yeah. Um, even if they're not going to participate, right. Even if they don't, cause again, my wife really doesn't care about the, the sports cards, you know, that I collect, but she really is supportive, you know, and it's super important, you know, um, I don't hide that I do it. I, I, it's funny how often in the Facebook groups you'll hear people making these jokes and maybe there's some truth to the jokes, but like if my wife saw the credit card bill, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't do that. She knows what I'm doing for the most part. You know, she knows the stuff. I mean, she doesn't care to know every card I buy, but you know, when they come in the mail, she knows and you know, she, handling all the bills and all those sorts of things. But having that support is 
nice to allow you to really be yourself and be a nerd. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many times, again, like when Hot Toys, when they ship finally, it's just in a box and they just, whoever, UPS, FedEx, just toss your box onto your porch <laughs> or whatever you have. And like, I'm at work or wherever and I get a notification that my Hot Toys has, has a, arrived and I know I'm not going to be there for hours or maybe a day. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, this is $340 thing sitting on my deck and I, yeah, I've been waiting two years for it. And then, so I'll text my wife and, you know, is she almost home or is she home? And now she, I'm like, I have a hot toys figure out. So can you, can you grab it for me? And she does. And a uh, very great, convenient, wonderful thing about uh, still having her really close to me, even though we're separated is that I'm on the road for a week at a time and yeah, I still get hot yeah. toy speakers here. And I call my wife. I'm like, can you go to my apartment? <laughs> it's amazing. Our, yeah. And, and get my hot toy speaker and bring it inside. And she still does it. That's so, incredible. Yeah. Even uh, even after the fact, support it to the end. <laughs> I love that, man. That's that's great. I wish I had. So I, this is no knock on Stacy at all on this particular one. But a quick little tale about things like that that happened. And I sent you a picture of this as soon as it happened. But um, so the last figure I was ever supposed to have bought. Uh, it just arrived, I don't know, two weeks ago now. It was an Iron, Man, Iron Man figure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Iron Man from Endgame. Um, uh, that that figure was ago? something like that. Yeah, again, I mean, you, oh you got yours well before me for whatever reason, but I got my yeah, cap yeah, well before there. you, but whatever. Yeah, so weird. it was supposed to be my last figure. We'll see. But uh, that thing arrived. I got the notification while I was at work, and um, the UPS person left it right out in the rain, oh, yeah. not even on one of my, either on the front or the back, whatever. And I got home and I, I parked my truck. And I, I saw it just sitting there in the rain, dropped my head and went, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, that and the Iron Man are always expensive figures. I mean, they're always 350 plus. I don't remember what this one was because I did the payment plan with it. Yeah. But uh, I just went up to it. I was like, I'm, I'm, first thing I'm doing is taking a picture of this thing sitting in the rain. Thankfully, the shipping box took all the the damage you know for the most part it was fine the actual the, the inside box was all the art box it's called it was in great yeah. condition so whatever well, no, it's, harm, no foul it's funny because that's a just a random nuance the the whole shipping box that hot toy sends it's, it's yeah it's in itself actually part of the whole collection process yep. so you get this box and you would normally throw it away but for some reason you've got to keep this box mm -hmm. because if you sell a figure you you have the figure in the original box, like the art box, uh, and then you can add another aspect to that, also with original shipper box. Yeah. And I I swear my figures always sell at higher prices because I, I ship it in the original shipper box, which I then put in another box, <laughs> box yeah. to ship. Because yeah. especially I get people who actually message me like, hey, uh, Please put the shipper box and the figure inside another shipping box. Yep. Don't ship in the shipper box. And uh, I also get that. That's uh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, not to go off on a tangent, but one annoying thing about Sideshow when you order from them, the guys who have exclusive uh, distribute distribution rights, they ship the, just a shipper box of hot toys. So you get the shipper box with the UPS label on it, yep. some markings from whatever. But if you order from another company, like this one called Big Bad Toy Store, they have those figures too, and they will put that box inside another box. <laughs> and so when you get your shipping box, your hot toy shipping box, it's pristine. No one's touched it. And like, I don't say that on eBay, but I feel like I could, like pristine Probably shipping should. box. Yeah. You got your, your box inside a box inside a box. <laughs> yeah. Like a Russian doll. 
but then ultimately people just take the figure out of the box and put that thing on display no one displays hot toys in the hot toys box like maybe some other toys so then you just keep your boxes and and that adds more space yeah yep yeah when you have 50 hot toys and you have 50 big boxes that are just stacked for no reason because you need that just in case you're gonna put it away or sell it one day you just I swear it takes up a good chunk of my storage space. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, one other thing I kind of want to talk about between the parallels of sports cards and hot toys collecting is um, is a little bit of a negative, right? So in sports cards, constantly we're talking in the hobby about um, people who scam. You know, you buy a card, card never shows up or a different card shows up or people will um, buy a card and then claim it was damaged and get refunded and then not send the card back. Right. There's all these sorts of things that have a counterfeit cards. That's huge. Um, I talked about reprint cards earlier, uh, and I made a point to stress that they're legitimate reprint cards made by the companies because it's super common that you'll find a card that's listed as an RP reprint, but it's not, it's actually a counterfeit. They're just Mm. letting you know it's not real, but in a real slick way, whatever. Um, but what's that like in the hot toys world? And I'm asking because I believe you actually have a story about yeah. something that happened um, with a Yoda figure, I believe. Uh, not just Yoda. I so for a very, 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 very short period period of time because I learned my lesson. I decided, hey, I'll I'll start purchasing figures from Hong Kong. Actually, this is when I, I had started a YouTube channel, and I'm like, you know what, I, I should get these figures right when they come out if I'm going to have a YouTube channel about these figures versus doing it three months later. So I'm like, I'm going to start buying straight from Hong Kong, which the easiest way to do it is to just go to eBay because some of these Hong Kong companies, uh, Hong Kong based companies have an eBay store. And so they, they will be buying these figures and then they will sell it to you as soon as they get it. So I still pre-ordered from these guys, from one guy in particular, I ordered, um, I think four figures that, equaled about thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars And these were, again, all pre-orders because the figures hadn't come out. But as the figures were coming out, I wasn't getting them. Mm-hmm. So I started messaging him, never responded. I kept messaging, kept messaging, kept messaging, never responded to me. So I tried to get it taken care of. And it turns out that on eBay, just so you know, if uh, if you find something that is a pre-order, that is, you can legitimately be scammed from that because eBay does not actually do pre-orders. Pe- the mm-hmm. sellers do pre-orders. So if you pre-order something months and months in advance and you pay for it, by the time the figure or whatever it is you bought comes out, you can be screwed if they don't send it to you because it's, it's only like a 30-day policy, whatever it is, not months and months. So day i never saw those figures i got basically scammed 1300 dollars or 1400 but he's like a legitimate store and uh and i've been trying to talk to his other customers and it's just been this whole pain that's still actually happening um so i, I don't didn't realize order. i didn't realize that saga was still happening actually uh, hmm. I, i've been trying to get slick with how i do things basically i was gonna start purchasing figures from this guy and then within ebay's rights I had to cancel it because he's not um, sending it to me because it's a mm-hmm. pre-order. And then I can just keep doing that over and over and over. And I can then eventually they see all these canceling orders. Then eBay has to get involved and be like, why are all, is this happening? Sure. And I can't remember. There's, there's some, there's more specifics. I'm being very, very vague. <laughs> uh, the risk I take though, with that is that you have to pay for the figure straight up. So if I start mm. pre-ordering figures, I pay 
the again the premium price of getting early so maybe almost twice as much sometimes if that uh i had to put that money forward then hope that when i cancel it and get a refund it works and i get my right. money back and then i do it again and again and <laughs> oh, again man. so that's why it's ongoing because I, I haven't quite uh, decided to put my to invest into this process right. <laughs> of trying to rescan the guy in some way yeah, that, um, that actually yeah. that same thing just popped up in the card world. Somebody was sharing on Facebook Marketplace because uh, Panini Prism Football had released and it was like on pre-order uh, for a while at some eBay store. I don't, I didn't really look too much into it, but the person sharing on the Facebook um, group was basically saying, "Don't pre-order." I learned this the hard way. Spent fifteen hundred dollars mm. on a box of these cards or whatever it was, and now it's well with outside of the ebay policy because it was a pre-order however many months ago you know yeah. so it's uh i guess that's something that still happened that also happens in the sports car world which i, I never realized because I, i'd never pre-ordered anything on ebay to be honest i always pre-order from a a store that i've shopped with but yeah you know. that's so i don't do that anymore um <laughs> <laughs> but I, as far as copies though it's you know it's funny there are play arts kai the comp the toy company that i first started collecting with they get a lot of mm. um counterfeit versions because you know the figures are actually made out of plastic and they can kind of just get it reprinted and they can just paint it but again hot toys it, it's not so easy to get you can't just get like remold well yeah, i guess you could but i don't i don't know i haven't seen many hot toys counterfeit versions because it just can't be done except for one there was like one figure i think it might have been a wolverine figure i remember apparently that, yeah. he had yeah he had counterfeits and there are ways to tell if it wasn't legit mm -hmm. um so i went through that process because i was trying to find one on ebay an original copy original version and that's when i discovered that um yeah there were quite a few floating versions of him that weren't uh, from hot toys so but other than that i haven't actually seen any Anything. I feel like it'd be very obvious uh, if it's sure. There's, there's plenty of other companies, third-party companies that make figures that you know it's not Wolverine, it's Wolfman, right? Yeah, uh, and yep. it looks just like Wolverine. Um, you can get that, and they're not quite on par with Hot Toys. That's been the whole thing. Wow. Hot Sometimes Toys they blows are, everyone away. Sometimes, Sometimes but but once Hot Toys releases their version, I yeah. I get to see one that is better than the hot, like truly better. Um, they did that with Cable, right? Cable from Deadpool Two yes. was released. I don't like years before Hot Toys finally released it, right? The, the third party well, Hot company Toys still hasn't released it. Not really. really. I don't think it's. I uh, I think it's out in Hong Kong. It's funny because I stopped paying attention to Cable because it took so long for him to come mm -hmm. out. I thought about it, um, but I haven't. Now I could be completely misspeaking. I don't. I don't think he's out, but I might. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Well, he yeah, whatever. Out. But yeah, but what happened was, you know, to kind of give a little more details, there's a lot of third party companies that will make six scale action figures, but unlicensed, right? So whoever yeah, these companies unlicensed. are, they're just doing it and not getting shut down for whatever reason. So yeah, they had released a uh, Future Man figure, which was Cable, um, when Deadpool 2 came out because Hot Toys didn't make a figure. So they made an unlicensed version that looked just like him. And then, yeah, it was like, I think it was a couple of years later that Hot Toys finally announced that announced we're going to do yeah. a cable figure now <laughs> for whatever reason, all these years later. Right. Um, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I, I assume the Hot Toys version will be better than the third party one. Sure. But probably. I'll, I'll have to look at it. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about the similarities and differences and, and all that sort of stuff, but let's get back more to honing in on, on your collection. I'm curious. So I, 
I haven't even seen your collection now in quite some time. Where do you stand with it? And, and what would you say? Like, do you have top five favorite figures or whatever it might be? It's actually kind of embarrassing at the moment because I don't know why I've been, I've slowed down on trying ever since I got these cabinets again, I repurchased cabinets. I put them in and again, going back to space, I don't have nearly the space I had. So I only have, I think nine on display out of the whatever 660 that I have. I'm not sure. So I have a lot of them that are just sitting in boxes and that's yeah. a problem because I'm like, well, there's sitting in boxes. So my actual collection uh, is very, I haven't, I've put just dudes inside the glass cabinets and haven't put much thought to it. Like I have a future plan. Like when this figure comes out, he's going he's gonna to go here. When this figure comes out, he'll go here. But while I wait two years for those figures to come out, I just have this <laughs> scarce situation. Uh, so once upon a time though, I used to, this is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I'm, I think it's all of us who collect hot toys. I used to just sit on my chair in my office and just stare at my collection. And I all I was, what I was, <laughs> yeah, I, what I was usually doing is imagining how my display will look, you know, or how I want it mm -hmm. to look. Mm -hmm. So I start, start thinking about where to put guys and I start diagramming, I, you know, I start writing names of this shelf of this cabinet will be these guys. And that makes sense because they're from the same movie or they're the same character, like all these sure. thoughts I have. Um, I did that here and I, I stopped and I have yet to sit in front of my collection. So it's really, know. the process has slowed down, I think, because I'm gone a lot now. Um, but I, that doesn't mean I don't uh, enjoy them still. Sure. So top five, top five, hmm. Offhand, <clears throat> I'm a big Captain America fan. Mm -hmm. It's tattooed on my arm. Uh, so the end game Captain America, uh, that's definitely one of them. Oh man, I don't that know if we should talk about this. Gonna... Yeah, it did not. No, it was amazing. I feel like I'll sit here in silence too long <laughs> if I if I think about this too much. Because I'll just start rambling on what makes a really good figure, you know, like or what makes sure. it one of my top five. Is it how good the sculpt is? Is it my relationship with that character, like love for that character? Uh, or is it an aversion of a certain character? I have all these things and it goes back and forth, so yeah. Well, listen, I mean, I it, define it any way you want, but like when I think about it myself, even cards, are, you know, speaking of the Hot Toys figures, I mean, for me, I definitely go to the, um, what is it, the DX12? Is that what the Joker is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Heath Ledger, the Joker 2.0 figure. Uh, and I know like, A, it's so well done, and B, like the the that movie and that character just like, Holy crap. I mean, that was such like a mind blowing performance and all those sorts of things. I mean, that is so unforgettable. Having that figure to represent that immediately puts it at the top of that list. Um, so, I mean, dude, I mean, how you define like what makes something your best can be so many different things. But I tend to lean on like how I feel about a figure or a card or whatever, yeah. you know, but that's usually me too. Like, uh, I'm, I'm quite sentimental. Uh, mm. have, have I ever told you about my box of thingies? I don't know. And so I don't just collect toys. I also collect like just things. So I have a box and I've had since the nineties. And, um, as I go through my life, uh, there's something that I've come across an object. So it could be a plane ticket. It could be like, um, just a piece of paper that has mm. some sort of writing on it. It could be a map, could be whatever, a bunch of things. A wallet is in there, a watch. Uh, if I put these things that feel like they mean something to me at that moment. I put them in this box 
And then usually like once a year, maybe twice a year, I'll actually open the box and I'll start going through things and I'll grab something. And usually it will immediately bring me back to mm. that moment. And it's so it, it's basically like a, almost like a little time machine of my favorite moments when I grab that item. And every once in a while, the reason I go, I look at it so often is because I'll grab something and I'll forget where it came from. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't actually bring me back. So I get rid of it because now it's serving no purpose for me. So I get yeah, rid of right. it. Um, and so I, I'm kind of like that with my Hot Toys figures. Like I'm also a tactile person. Like I think these are movies so I can just watch the movie, but there's something about having like a physical representation sure. of a movie that I loved or a character that I loved or something that, yeah, it kind of resonated the way Heath Ledger's performance did. Um, and that's kind of why I, you know, still are drawn to Hot Toys because I love this movie so much. I go, I want to have something that really represents it. And I go to Hot Toys and now I have this, you know, uh, Boba Fett figure, whatever it is that's kind of there as a cool little, again, sentimental reminder of something I really like. Yeah, dude, I love that. I mean, that's, I, I, I talk so much on this podcast about like sort of the sentimentality or the nostalgia, you know, and all these driving factors that for me is why I collect the sports cars or what it was the hot toys, the comic books. And the way I sort of romanticize these things is it comes from a very similar place, right? Um, you know, to me, these, these things that I collect really do express something about me. If you were to come in here and look at these things, you could put together some sort of story about the type of person that I try to be or that I think I am, right? Or all these sort of goofy self, um, self-reflections of ourselves. And this is how I express that. But I, I mean, I love the the box of things of real things, you know, because yeah. a lot of this is also escapism, you know, sports cards, wrestling cards, hot toys, comic books. You know, it's it's a way to sort of um, reflect upon my own real life, but through a fictional narrative a lot of times. I mean, that's why comic books and films mean so much to me. Um, sports, you can find so many deep stories that help, you know, you know, internalize your own life and whatnot. But in the end, it is a little bit of a escapism, whereas this box of trinkets is really kind of the opposite, right? You're living in whatever these moments are that you've experienced, whether it's through a wallet or a watch or whatever it is you, you have in there. I, I love that, man. That the sentimentality definitely speaks to me and, and, and my sort of like what I'm trying to do for myself with this collecting thing as a whole, man, that's, that's a fantastic little story. I didn't know about that box. <laughs> yeah. It's around. Uh, and I, you know, I think hot toys um, could become, um, a representation of a real thing. If let's say I did truly quit collecting hot toys and I just sold all, all of them, I would probably hold on to one, like mm. maybe one of my favorites, like maybe Deadpool, the first figure that I really wanted. It got me into the collection and I'd probably just keep him and he would be like uh, my version of a thing in my box except sure. he's outside my box. But every time I see him, it'll be a nice nostalgic reminder of this thing I love doing hot toys, you know, like even if I gave it up, I enjoyed the time while I was collecting. So no regrets. And he'll just be that representation of that period of time in my life. Just like those other things are. Ah, dude, I love that. Listen, I think that's a perfect spot to actually start to wrap this up. We're, we're coming up on about an hour here. Uh, so I don't want to steal a whole lot more of your time, but listen for again, man, Randy, dude, you are one of my closest friends. Do <laughs> not ever forget that. Um, Ditto. thank you so much for coming on here and, and sharing this stuff, man. I, I, I love it. I, you know, like I said, the, the vinyl film score episode Apollo was well received. So however this one's received, I honestly, I don't care, man, getting to sit down and just talk with you about some weird things that we like to collect, <laughs> man. I absolutely adored your time, man. Thank yeah. you so much. 
Of course. Thanks for having me. I mean, that's how we our friendship started, just talking about nerdy things, and it still continues. So, of course, I was more than happy to be here. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, tell me that was not a fantastic interview with a legitimate collector. I loved talking to Randy so very much, having such a good friend on just to BS about the things that we love and nerd out some more. Uh, We didn't talk about this in the interview, but Randy and I became friends because we sat down and had a conversation when we first met about uh, the Dark Knight and just getting to nerd out about comic book movies and films and all that sort of stuff brought us to where we are. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation because I love having conversations with collectors as a whole. Not just sports card collectors because there's so many parallels, so many things that match up. And I just love it. I love the collector mentality. It's why I do this. I do this because I'm a collector. And I think you are too. At least I hope so. But that's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. I really hope you enjoyed the show. As always, have a good night. Have a good night.